Welcome to the Make Life Less Difficult podcast. This podcast explores what it means to make life less difficult for each other and for ourselves. We share stories of struggles and successes because we believe sharing our stories eases the difficulty of life. I'm Lisa Tilstra, your host. Let's jump into today's conversation. My guest today is Valerie Brown. Valerie is a Buddhist Quaker Dharma teacher, facilitator, and executive coach. A former lawyer and lobbyist, she is now a co-director of Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership, as well as founder and chief mindfulness officer of Lead Smart Coaching. Valerie is an ordained Buddhist Dharma teacher in the Plum Village tradition founded by Thich Nhat Hanh and is also a certified Kundalini yoga teacher. In her leadership development and mindfulness practice, she focuses on diversity, social equity, and inclusion. Valerie's also an award-winning author whose books include The Road That Teaches and The Mindful School Leader with Kirsten Olson. She holds a Juris Doctor from Howard University School of Law, a Master of Arts from Miami University in Ohio, and a Bachelor of Arts from City University of New York. Valerie lives in New Hope, Pennsylvania, where she tends a lively perennial home garden. Today, Valerie and I talk about her most recent book, which is called Hope Leans Forward, Braving Your Way Toward Simplicity, Awakening, and Peace. This is a beautiful, beautiful book. And in the book, Valerie blends pieces of her own journey, including many aches, pains, losses, and challenges with stories from other inspiring people, including Susan Cross, George Lakey, Luan Nguyen, Fanny Brewster, and more. The thread through all of these stories is hope, courage, and fear. Now, at least that's my summary of the thread that runs through this book. You'll have to read it yourself and see what threads appear for you, as there are many. For me, something that really stood out is the fact that just about every story really wove together hope, courage, bravery, and fear. There's depth to the hope that Valerie talks about in her book that I have not I've not seen articulated in in the same way in any other way and it was it's very inspiring to me. I notice in my own life sometimes I look at someone else I see them doing something that is amazing and I think oh I don't I don't think I could ever do that. I would be too afraid. Sometimes I've had people come to me and say oh I couldn't do what you do. I would be too afraid. But here's the thing, in my own life, when I'm doing something that to other people appears courageous and brave, I'm still fearful. Courageous and brave people also have fear and go forward anyway. Hope moves forward with courage, with bravery, through the fear, sometimes embracing the fear, walks alongside the fear. In the book, Valerie qu quotes, Margaret Wheatley from her essay, The Place Beyond Fear and Hope, where she says, hope never enters the room without fear at its side. I don't know about you, but this is certainly my experience. And again, Valerie just puts this in such a beautiful way in her book, woven together with stories, with practical practices that you can integrate into your life. So, so much 
is offered in this book. So I highly recommend you check out Valerie's book. Our conversation today is a bit briefer than other conversations on make life less difficult due to some uncontrollable circumstances, but it is nonetheless real impactful and inspiring. And I am so grateful to have had this time with Valerie and to be able to share this with you. Valerie, thank you for the work that you do in the world, the light that you share and the inspiration that you live. Please check out the show notes where you will find links to more of Valerie's work and her offerings. Valerie, welcome to the Make Life Less Difficult podcast. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's great to be with you and with your amazing audience. Thank you, Valerie. As we jump in, I'm going to go directly to the first question that I ask all of my guests. And it is around this idea of making life less difficult. The podcast title, the work that I do, comes from a quote by Marianne Evans. That is, what do we live for if not to make life less difficult for each other? And I would love to hear, what does that mean to you? Yeah, you know, I was kind of perplexed actually by the title of the podcast because it seemed to have at first glance a negative slant to it, Mm. focusing on difficulty. And and as a BIPOC person, Black, Indigenous, and a person of color, that's what I mean by BIPOC. And as someone who identifies as a woman, difficulty is ancestral and and it, it is actually in the fabric of the structures and systems of our society that make life quite difficult for people who identify like me. And and so I've actually spent a lifetime in the opposite, which is the title of this podcast. Mm-hmm. I've spent I've spent a lifetime in resource framing, as many people describe, in not ignoring the difficulty, but in self-regard, self-love, self-actualization, being self-led, recognizing my own individual consciousness and the collective consciousness that brought has brought us to, you know, the structures and systems in society that make it so difficult for people who live like me. Mm. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. And you're not the first one to say, I don't, I've had some people just say, I don't like the name of your podcast. (laughs) People be very direct with me. And, you know, I, I, it comes from this place of going through some difficult times of loss in my own life and realizing that there was nothing that anybody could do to make that time easier or really better. But there were people that were by my side and present with me who who made it a little less difficult. And so I'd love to hear some of your thoughts around what can, there's a lot of systems that are still in place that make life difficult for people of color, of different identities. And what are your thoughts around what can be done to make it less difficult? If that, does that, does that question make sense? Thank you, Lisa. So as I hear the question, it is what can be done to make life less difficult for a person who identifies as Black, Indigenous, or person of color, or in any marginalized identity, socially marginal, historically socially marginalized identity. Yes. Yeah. So again, the framing of this 
is problematic from the get-go because it begins with the assumption that life is difficult and it doesn't take into account the fullness of life. So there is difficulty and there is delight. Mm. This is the nature of it. And I'm not of the, the school that all suffering is redemptive. Sometimes suffering just sucks. Sometimes difficulty just sucks. However, as Anne Morrow Lindbergh has said, that difficulty or suffering, if, if difficulty or suffering alone made people grow, the entire world would be wise mm-hmm. because every person has difficulty. But to difficulty, to suffering, we must add many ingredients. We must add hope and patience and compassion and understanding. And this is the nature of difficulty. And so for a Black, Indigenous, and person of color, there are many states of mind and ways of being that supports a life that is juicy and whole and thriving. Mm. And that includes the idea of Sankofa. Sankofa, meaning... I'm not familiar with that. This is an African word, word from the continent of Africa, Sankofa, meaning to reach back, to look back, and to retrieve the resources that we already have. Mm. So we, as people with a historically marginalized identity, have inherited um, ancestral trauma, but we've also inherited incredible resources from Mm. incredibly strong people. So that helps to make life less difficult. Self-regard. How does one cultivate self-regard in a society where we're constantly reminded that we're less than? And that takes building a community, surrounding ourselves with people who can support us. You know, just as you said, when you were in the midst of your complications, your difficulties in life, my sense is that the, the presence of a caring person can make life less difficult. They can't take away the suffering, but their presence can add comfort. I mean, true presence. And so I would say that the presence of other people who are are truly there for you matters. And certainly, given what we have been through with social isolation, social atrophy, the presence of another human being who's caring is very critical. Those are just things. Yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly. And, and it's very much my experience where those people who came into my life and, and were present and sometimes just listened or sometimes offered to relieve me from caregiving, you know, responsibilities during that time in, in, in my life it's an amazing gift. And yeah, Valerie, I'd love to hear you talk about hope. You've already mentioned it and your new book that's out. It's, it's about hope, hope leaning forward. And I I'd just love to hear you talk about hope and what that means. Well, thank you for the question. Um, 
Yes. So in writing the book, it was a book that I did not, I could not not write. Mm -hmm. So like you, like everyone, I had a lot of complications in life. I won't get into it now, but I speak about it in the book. Deaths, divorce, suicide, natural disasters, all of these things happened to me sequentially and began to pile up. And as the complications were piling up, I was thinking to myself, where the heck is hope? I honestly felt, maybe like you, maybe like people listening to this, a true sense of despair. Mm. As a Buddhist Dharma teacher, I know that emotions are impermanent. They come and go. And while I was certainly feeling the despair and feeling hopelessness, I began to look at hope, began to examine hope, hopeful what, is, what does it mean to have hope in the midst of a sense of hopelessness? So I went to Webster's Dictionary and looked at the conventional definition of hope, which is an optimistic state of mind and an anticipation of a positive outcome. And I thought to myself, well, that doesn't seem complex or layered enough for the ambiguity and the fragility of the times that we live in today in this midst of this global pandemic with so many people having to face things that are are very hard. And, And so in my own life, I started to examine what it means to cultivate hope. And I realized that hope is actually a skill. It's a, it it is not a single state of mind. Um, So hope involves courage, the courage to take action. So for me, that meant moving to a divorce in my life, which on one level was the last thing I wanted to do. Mm. But I, on another level, a part of me knew that the most hopeful, the most compassionate and the most loving thing to do was to move forward with a divorce. So hope is multi-layered state of mind. It is it, it is active, as Joanna Macy, the Buddhist scholar, says it's not passive. Hope has an element of wisdom to it, in that we we are choosing based on our values. And hope, as Rebecca Solnit, the writer, has said, is involves tension. There is an urgency. We're holding a, a sense of urgency to take action, and yet also a vision of what what can be in our lives. Hmm. It's incredibly beautiful, Valerie. And I am currently reading your book. I'm about three quarters of the way through, so I haven't finished it yet. But I have to say, I, I'm someone who, my, my first married name actually is Hope. And so my name for some time was Lisa Hope. And it's a beautiful name. And yet there has been a time in my life where I actually, I'd say I almost gave up on hope. I'm like, there's something, yeah, hope just doesn't resonate with me. And reading your book is, it's just creating new perspectives around hope. And you've touched on so much here that we could dig into and talk about for days. What what I'd love to ask you to expound on a little bit, because, and, and this is just 
selfishly, I guess, because this is what's really resonating for me from your book. You have so many stories that are talking about courage and bravery. And there's a part of me that's like, wait, I thought this was a book about hope. <laughs> and, and there's this theme of courage and bravery woven through in such an amazing way. And so I, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts around how courage and bravery are part of this hope. Thank you, Lisa. And yes, I was aware that part of your, your name is, is hope. And how lovely is that? Mm. What a blessing. So, yes. So as I said, hope, the word hope in, in my research and my thinking is not a singular state of mind. Mm. Often people think of hope as in wishful thinking. Yeah. And that is, that's, that's not complex enough. Mm. It's not fragile enough. It's not, you know, for the ambiguous, ambiguous time that we live in, that kind of wishful thinking, that that just doesn't cut it. No. (laughs) And of course, and an attachment to a positive outcome from a Buddhist perspective is the perfect recipe for suffering. Mm. And that's a whole nother podcast. Yes. So bravery. So the subtitle of the book is, well, the full title of the book is Hope Leans Forward, Braving Your Way Toward Simplicity, Awakening, and Peace. Mm. Why braving? So as I mentioned before we started talking, I... I'm a facilitator trained with an organization called the Center for Courage and Renewal. Mm -hmm. This was founded in part by a man by the name of Parker Palmer, and he's a Quaker and an activist. And so I've been a facilitator since 2008. And so we've studied courage. What does it mean to to have courage and cultivate courage? And the subtitle, the bravery part of the subtitle, came from a poem that I was reading by Mark Nepo, and I think it's called The Dive, right, for your audience. And the poem begins, brave your way on. Wow. Brave your way on. And I stopped right there. I didn't need to read any more of the poem because I got what I needed. Wow. Brave your way on. And so to engage in hope is to brave your way on. Mm. We're holding a vision of what could be. And it requires us to call up courage because maybe that vision that we hold may not come to fruition as we want. Yeah. So we're holding complexity, we're maybe holding disappointment or anticipation, and that takes the quality of bravery. It also takes vision. It also takes inner stability to hold this shifting ambiguity. Maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. It requires that we hold fear, but many things. So I hope that's helpful. It's amazing. And I, I I mean, I just noticed the sense of almost, I guess the word that would come to mind is groundedness that I feel internally as you are describing hope 
as you have come to name it and define it. And just, I, I love, you know, the, the beginning when you, when you said like the traditional definition of hope doesn't have enough complexity or fragility to it. Like, wow. It just, I mean, it, it almost creates, I mean, it does like it creates tingling in my body just in it's really, it's so powerful. And, you know, Valerie, I, I know we have limited time together today, and yet I'm so grateful for this time together. And I, you have studied for years in Buddhism, in Quaker teachings and meditation and yoga, and you share so much of the wisdom in this book. I'm wondering just in our last few minutes together right now, for those who are listening who may not have much exposure to Buddhist teachings or experience with yoga and meditation, where where do you encourage someone to begin? Mm -hmm. Yes. So first of all, let me just say that the sense of groundedness is a byproduct of the realization you know, that, that there is more than this feeble, wishful thinking, you know, mm. that wishful thinking is, is quite unstable, mm. you know, but when a person is able to look at their life from a sense of agency, you know, that I'm following my values and my sense of purpose, there is a sense of groundedness. Mm. You know, there's some stability there, as opposed to, well, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. You know, it's kind of teeter-tottering. Mm. But using our sense of purpose and what really matters, that in itself is a kind of plumb line mm. that helps with a feeling of groundedness. Mm. So to where to begin, yes, for me, it's been 27 years as a Buddhist with Zen Master Thich Nhat Hanh and the community and 22 years as a Kundalini Yoga teacher and 20 years, more than 20 years as a Quaker. And I look back at how I began mm. and I began with a lot of doubt. <laughs> and so... <laughs> clueless completely and there's still that there so i would say don't get in a tussle with the doubt mm. allow you know the doubt to be there like does this make sense quick inquiry investigation is healthy this is a good thing mm. so that's one thing don't throw out the the doubt let it be there. Take it as a grand experiment and baby steps. Mm. So maybe to begin your meditation practice, you begin with eating a spoonful of your next meal or, you know, or drinking your next cup of tea or coffee and just take one or two seconds to really taste it. That's the beginning. Maybe for someone starting their yoga practice, they open their closet and they look at their yoga pants. And that's the beginning of it. 
you just look at it. I didn't say put it on I or, love it. <laughs> you know, or go to the class or sign up. Just look at it. Mm. So to start gently with yourself, mm. you know, and then if that is of benefit to you, take the next step and the next step. We're lucky because we're at the beginning of this brand new year yeah. and we have many, we can take many, many movements toward the life that we want. It's beautiful. And I just, I notice the emotion that comes up to the surface for me as you share just that gracious beginning, just look at the yoga pants, just look at them. Like, it's so, it's so beautiful. I'm really grateful. Valerie, I, I feel like I could ask you questions for days. And I know that many people who interact with you feel similarly. I will be providing links to your multiple books, your website and other resources. And I am just incredibly grateful for, for your, your presence and your time and that you are sharing your wisdom with the world in so many different ways. And, and that you've also shared it with us here on the make life less difficult podcast. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you for doing this podcast of offering it to the world it's a great benefit and to your audience. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's conversation and episode of the Make Life Less Difficult podcast. Editing is done by Joseph Burdock. Artwork is by Emma Burdock. I'd be honored if you took a moment to share this with a friend and or leave us a review. Together, I truly believe we can make life less difficult. 